We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Home and Home. Oscars Monday here on Home and Home. Did you watch the ceremony? What did you make of Brad Pitt's speech? And Parasite, have you seen it? Will you see it? Would it win if it was a U.S. film, an English language film. And here's the big question as we begin our week. Did you watch the XFL over the weekend? Did it did it tempt your taste buds enough to return for a second helping? Will you have seconds? Yeah, we'll try anything once. Will you go back and get a second helping? That is our poll question this morning at RDC Home and Home. Did the XFL show you enough that you will watch next Weekend. It is a Oscars Monday home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are folks. Trust us. The smartest way to hire in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs home in Connecticut and Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. We'll also dive into the best rivalry in all of sports bar none. Argue with me if you like. It is North Carolina and Duke, and nothing else comes close. I'll tell you why. We'll discuss it with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports later in the program. Ross Tucker, happy Monday to you, sir. I know you. You would watch high school football. You would watch peewee football if it were on television. You would do anything to fill the void of the NFL season being gone from your life. So I just want to give you a blank slate I know you watched some XFL over the weekend, the debut of the Vince McMahon League. What did you make of it overall? What was your first impression? Well, you're right, Dave. Um, Any football that's on TV, I'm going to watch that pretty much over anything else that would possibly be available. And frankly, if I don't really like it, then the XFL has a problem. And, And I would describe it like this, Dave. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I was glad it was on. I was glad I flipped the channel to it. I purposely didn't watch the first game because, A, I was doing something else, and, B, I kind of wanted to see what the social media buzz was, see what the reaction was. Mm. And then I watched almost the entire second game, uh, which started at 5 and actually had, that's why I'm wearing my Princeton uh, 150th year of football on Chad Kanoff from Princeton started for the LA team in the second game. 0% chance, by the way, his parents thought one day he'd be a starting quarterback in the XFL when they sent him to Princeton. (laughs) 0.0. That is not why they sent him there. I can assure you of that. Uh, I liked it, Dave. Look, I thought it was pretty high level of football. Um, I recognize a lot of the names. A lot of them were very good Mm. college players. I thought there were some tremendous plays being made. I thought the coaches were creative. I loved a lot of the rules, the kickoff rule, the extra point rule. Um, I I liked almost everything about it. I kind of like different uniforms, new team names. 
it's almost like watching any given Sunday or something. Like I, I yeah. liked a lot of it. Okay. I don't, I don't know that I would say I loved it. And so I guess, okay. and there's a lot of different elements to this, but to me, it's not going to be appointment viewing. So I liked it enough that if I am home and I think about it, I'm going to put the XFL on. I'm going to watch it. You know, like next Saturday, we're going to go skiing again in the morning. When I get back, after we get home, I just want to veg out on the couch a little bit. I am going to watch that over regular season NBA, regular season college hoops, unless it's like Duke Carolina, which obviously it's not. But I'm going to watch that. But I'm not going to say, honey, we can't go out to dinner or honey, we have to get home from skiing earlier because I have to watch this XFL game. It's going to be something I watch when I feel like it. And I don't know if that's good enough or not. Yeah, I asked myself this question and and I'd like your answer um, before I lay out my answer. Uh, If this were a date, if this were your first date, would the XFL get a second date? And if yes, why? Is it because she's hot? Is it because she's nice? Or is it because there's just not much else on the market? You know, a younger, single Ross Tucker, would she get a second date and why? She would absolutely get a second date because, okay. yeah, because this time of year, the, it, it's slim pickings. And uh, yeah, she's the yeah, best yeah. girl that'll go out with me right now. And I, I, I got to get some loving, right? I, I, I you know, yeah. Rossi, need, Rossi needs some affection. I need, I, I need some <laughs> loving. So, uh, yes, she would get a second date for sure. But I would already sort of know that it's not going to be a long-term thing. And I'm not going to marry her or get serious with her. But she'd get a second date because I'm looking around and she's the best thing I got. Was it Rossi needs some lovey? Was that? Yes. (laughs) Rossi needs some loving. Rossi needs some loving. So that's how you did XFL. Rossi needs some loving. That's ultimately how you will be judged. But she's not getting a ring is a serious statement from you. To determine after one week that she won't get a ring says an awful lot. Similar to how I feel. Would she have gotten a second date? I'm frankly not sure. She would only get a second date if, like you said, there were not a whole lot of options out there. If I wasn't exactly, you know, If the phone wasn't burning up at that moment, she would get a second date. But in my prime, she's not getting a second date. Um, She was interesting. She was a nice girl. She was nice. I don't know if she was hot enough. Um, So I, I don't know. Like, here's how I felt midway through the weekend. Have you ever been driving down the highway? And I'm going to go from a date to food because I, I view everything through my stomach. If I'm driving down the highway on a road trip and I'm starving, man, and the kids are begging for food, and I see a Chipotle uh, on the side of the road, one of the gas station Chipotles, okay, not one of the main standalone in your hometown, but one of the gas station ones that's together with the mobile, I am so excited to have it because there's nothing else around. Like, I'm not pulling over for McDonald's. So I'm pulling over for this Chipotle that's together with the gas station, even though it's not up to the standards of what I'm used to. 
gas station Chipotle is not great. It's just okay. It's not up to their standards. So I'm only going to eat that if there's nothing else around. The same way I feel about Chick-fil-A. I love it more than anything in the world when it's fresh, when it's hot, when I'm getting it from the drive through window. But if I go to a party and it's been sitting around like a catered event and it's been sitting around for 40 minutes and it's kind of cold, nah, I'm probably not going to eat that. So it really depends on the options that are out there. I feel the same way about the XFL as I do gas station Chipotle. It was good. It's not up to the standards that I would like. But here's what is... um. I think there were a lot of things to like about the packaging of it, Ross. I think on the surface, I like a lot of the packaging. I like a lot of the rules. And and the word is transparency. I like that. Without question, Dave. And so here's what I, what I would say about it. I, I have, yeah. I guess, more questions than answers. Obviously, we have a poll question, uh, which we will get to at RDC. Home and home. He's at Dave Briggs TV. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And I think the poll question, Dave, is essentially what means the most. And it is, did the XFL show you enough that you will watch next weekend? With 524 votes, 67.4%, more than two-thirds are saying yes. That is encouraging. 11.5% are saying no. 21% are saying they didn't watch it in the first place. So that leads me to my next question. And I have two of them, right? Yep. Number one is, did anybody see enough that they will be compelled to have more people watch it next week? You know what I mean? Like, I saw, Dave, where ABC put out that they got 3.3 million people for the opener. My question to you and everybody else would be, are they going to get more than that? Like, okay, here we have 67% say they'll watch it again, but there's a certain percentage saying, no, they won't watch it again. So it sounds to me like... They're never going to get to 3 million again, would be my guess, because they got the first weekend. People were curious about the rules and the packaging and some of the players or whatever. So then from there, I think 3.3 is the max and it'll go down from there. And then the next question is, what do they need to be able to make it? Like, I, I, if, if you told me right now, Dave, if yeah. they average. 1.5 million people per game watching it on TV and 15,000 fans in the stands. Okay. I, I would say maybe they can do that. Like if that's enough for them to break even or be sustainable, then maybe they can do that. I guess I need to know more about what they need to get in order for it to be sustainable. And then I feel like I could already pretty much tell you whether or not that's going to happen or not. 
Okay, let's go through that number then. So you got the 3.3 million, which is more than the AAF debut game, which is 2.9 million. Now that league crashed and burned and did not make it through the season. So 3.3 is a very healthy number for the league. They have to like that. Attendance was around, yeah, 15 to 17,000 per game. I think that is less important. Although I will say on the attendance, you don't need those big stadiums. You got to stay away from MetLife. You got to keep finding different venues. They have to be soccer type venues, even high school or small college, because the the more full that stadium looks and feels the better for the league to go to MetLife 80,000 strong and then have 17,000 of the fans is a bad look, feel, and sound. So you have to search for smaller venues. You have to eliminate MetLife Stadium from the equation. The 3.3 million, though, a very healthy number. And you're right. It's going to represent the best rating all season with the maybe the notable exception of a championship league if it can be in prime time. But 3.3 million, if you cut it down to three, if you cut it down to 2.5 million, that can still be a successful venture for the networks and for the league. And let's keep in mind, the NBA, with stars from coast to coast that we all know and love, is averaging somewhere around 1.415 million. So less than half of what watched the XFL debut, less than half is where the NBA is right now. Now, granted, the league is down some 15%, but if they can top the NBA and college basketball on a Saturday and a Sunday, that is math that can work for the league without question. That is math. And based on our survey, two-thirds of you say you will give this girl a second date. That is a sustainable number for the league. What's missing for me is star power. And quarterback play is tough to find. There is not enough quality quarterbacks to fill the NFL right now, in all honesty. That's why we're having such a transitional offseason at the quarterback position. It was ugly at the quarterback position in the XFL over the weekend, and that's going to hurt the league. It's a star game. All games are star games right now. We watch players. We watch Mahomes. We watch Lamar. We watch uh, even Jimmy Garoppolo and Bosa and company. We watch Tom Brady. We need some stars in the XFL. They're going to have to up the play at the quarterback position. Landry Jones did not play. That took a lot of bite out of opening weekend. P.J. Walker was probably the best of the quarterback play. He played for Houston, showed a really versatile game. Cardell Jones looked pretty solid for D.C., but Ross, they're just going to need more star power. And to get that, I don't know where they turn unless in the future they're able to get a Trevor Lawrence type of player who can't go to the NFL after one year. I think that's what they're going to need to survive long term to really up the buzz. Because I don't see one player that I really want to see again. Is there is there someone I missed other than P.J. Walker or Marquette King, the punter who is outstanding? We remember him from the NFL. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dave, because talking with Oliver Luck, uh, like you and I did, they are paying a good fare for these quarterbacks. For Landry Jones and Josh Johnson and Matt McGloin, these are all guys that have multiple starts in the NFL. Now, part of the issue is Josh Johnson was hurt and didn't play, so my guy Chad Kanoff had to play instead. Landry Jones didn't play, so they had to have uh, the underwear model, Philip Nelson, instead. You know, 
some of these quarterbacks that they paid a good chunk of change for because they recognize how important quarterback play is, they weren't out there. But they're paying a lot of the players in this league not a lot of money. I mean, if all goes well and you win a bunch of games, you get like $55,000, except for the quarterbacks. They wanted competent, professional quarterbacks that had multiple years in the NFL, multiple starts, and yet they still had trouble scoring points. Some of it's because those guys were hurt that I mentioned, but they're aware of how important quarterback play is. They're paying up for that. They felt like that was one of the negatives of the AAF. But a lot of their better-known names, not necessarily star power names, but maybe better players in Landry Jones and Josh Johnson, they didn't even play. So it's interesting to see if that makes a difference. In terms of star power, there are always the Johnny Manziels, the Tim Tebow's, the Colin Kaepernick's, if you will. And yeah. people would still, after all these years, people would tune in out of curiosity to see how those guys would do. And I think that the XFL should consider it because if you get people to tune in out of curiosity to watch those guys, they might say, you know what? This isn't the NFL, but I kind of like it. I like the kickoff rule. I like the extra point rule. It's still pretty good play. They're hitting each other. They're showing me the over-under and the total and and the, the betting line. I can bet on it. But it's almost like you need to have something to get more people to at least give you that initial chance so that maybe two-thirds yeah. of them say that they'll watch it next week. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're going to need is that curiosity factor. Because to me, honestly, Marquette King was one of the most fascinating watches to me because the personality, and the, frankly, the guy has incredible upside ability, even as a punter. Yes, Johnny Manziel is one that this league should covet. Now, he took a shot at the league uh, over the weekend and said, not playing for another league that's going to fold on you midway through the season. Now, I don't think this league will fold midway through the season. It'll go at least two to three years based on the financial support it has from Vince McMahon, who runs uh, and owns the WWE. But then Manziel goes on to say uh, he was the most relatable college football player and the most lit ever in the history of the game. That's for another day. They do need some curiosity factor in the way of Johnny Manziel, Colin Kaepernick. Maybe they can get a freshman out of college that can't go pro. And I mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Troy Aikman was on the sideline uh, over the weekend. Here's what he says about the overall product and some of the things he likes that actually might translate well to the next level. And that's where we're going to go next with this conversation is what can the NFL adopt from the product, maybe not the talent, but the product of the XFL. And now here's Troy Aikman. The handsome NFL Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman. Okay, Troy, XFL kickoff weekend here, 2020. What do you think? I think it's great. It's exciting to have football here and, you know, after the NFL season. I watched some of the games last night. Come here tonight, support my guy, Daryl Moose Johnston and his team, the Renegades, and it's been fantastic. You said you're sitting in the box with him, getting a little inside information. He's yeah, the acting right. general manager, basically, for this team, for Stoops. What have you learned? Well, I, I've learned that it happens all really, really fast. You know, a 25-second play clock, which I love. I think, I think there are some things within this game. 
I think the kickoff is interesting. A lot of the things that the NFL is hoping to adopt, I think it's a chance to see how it is executed at this level, and I think we might see some of it. The transparency of the refs and reviews, I like so, a lot. I would assume you agree in that type of thing. Will you see the transformation, you think, from the XFL rules to the NFL, and how quickly do you think that happens? Um, I, I think we will, and, and it, it gives the NFL a chance to kind of see how it's adopted here in the XFL and, and, and how it's received and, and how it works and all those things. Dean Blandino, of course, he'd been involved in Troy. Jeez, Troy. Get out of the way, Troy. <laughs> You're going to get me killed over here, aren't you? Troy's like 120 pounds right now. He looks incredible. How Last about, question before we let you go. Running. How about the uh, communications from the coach to all of the players on the offense? Do you think that's something the NFL should have done? I like it. I like it. Now, I was told it was not all the players, but most of the players. I'd like to see it adopted to all the players. I, I, I think it's somewhat of a game changer. I'd like to see the coaches be able to talk to the defensive players, all of them as well. I think I – think, uh, I don't see any reason why that would be necessarily a negative. I think it's a, I think it's a real positive. So I like what I, you know, I think this league's got a real chance, and and uh, you're involved, so that that gives me hope. Troy Aikman there with Pat McAfee sideline. He's right about McAfee and personalities like that. That's another issue I think the league had over the weekend, and, and and we'll go through some of the elements. But first, let me ask you about the personalities involved, Ross. The coaches were some familiar names. They were like watching fucking paint dry. They were very boring. They were mic'd up. And even in moments where you thought they might drop an F-bomb or show some real personality or halftime speeches in the locker room, the coaches were very boring. Now, there's not a – John Gruden's don't grow on trees, but I think you're going to need more personality from this league. I would agree. I, I think for both the coaches, the players – and the broadcasters, I think they need to really embrace having fun and showing yeah. some energy. I think it's one of those deals where, frankly, if I'm Oliver Luck, I say to those guys, hey, listen, guys, I got news for you. TV takes precedence over anything, anything. I don't care if you're supposed to go back in the game. You keep doing the TV interview or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, And, and they really should have in hindsight, gotten coaches with better personalities as opposed to, you know, Jim Zorn or Mark Tressman, who maybe gave them some credibility as former NFL head coaches. But yeah. I, I don't think people really give a shit about credibility, to be honest with you. No. Like, no. I think they probably care more about credibility for the players. I think for the coaches – They'd rather have a character. They'd rather have a guy over there that's saying stuff to his players. And, like, even, like, I thought it was interesting. Jonathan Hayes, the coach of one of the teams, uh, his tight end came off the field and was, like, complaining about something. And I thought it was cool just to hear Jonathan Hayes say, I don't care. And he was like, but, coach, he's like, I don't care. Like, that was cool. That was, like, that was enjoyable. Like, to actually hear what that interaction's like. Indeed. Agree on that, because I, I got to amend my second date comment. I guess in the end, this second date would become, oh, excuse me, the voice crack, uh, because she was actually hot, because the broadcast elements in terms of the transparency, in terms of what was mic'd up, what was not, she was hot on the surface, but the personality was lacking. So she's kind of that hot girl that gets a second date for obvious reasons, needs more personality to get a third date or even have a chance at the ring. Let's listen 
to what transparency sounds like in the XFL. Everyone's mic'd up. You've got the coaches mic'd up, can talk to the players to the last second. You've got the replay booth fully mic'd so you can hear how that process goes down as they handle it with a video game controller as well. This is what transparency sounds like in football. It's under further review. It's a completed catch and a fumble. Okay. Is, is that your ruling? Is that the ruling on the field? The ruling on the field is a completed catch, fumbled by the receivers. New York picked up the fumble, recovered in advance. First down, New York. Okay. Uh, we have a good view here. When he landed on the ground, he only had one foot down. The ball was jarred loose, so it's going to be an incomplete pass. We're going to change it to an incomplete pass. So give me down and distance on the previous play. Okay. Give me one second. Should be We're second and 15, right? 25-yard line. Should be second and 15, correct? Second and 15. All right. Okay. I will make the announcement. After further review, the receiver did not complete the process of a catch. Therefore, it is an incomplete pass. It will be second down and 15. Okay, transparency is great. That's one thing that would easily translate well to the NFL, but ain't going to happen anytime soon in my estimation. Let's go through a couple of the league, uh, the league rules. Do you want to see this transparency in the NFL? Let's go to the kickoff where players are separated by five yards and cannot move until the receiver catches, fields the actual kickoff. Uh, the one, two, and three-point extra points didn't see enough with a three-point variety. The rule I'm most excited to see, we did not. That is the overtime shootouts. Which of the rules did you like? Which did the NFL adopt? Well, first of all, love the transparency on the yep. replay. And that, you know, the NAF did that as well. The NFL should absolutely do that. But don't hold your breath because right now it's all back in New York, which would mean it's all Alberto Riveron. And I don't think the NFL wants to expose Alberto Riveron in that setting, quite frankly. But that, to me, is a no-brainer. You could easily have it sponsored, you know, at the bottom or at the top while they're going through that. Look, whether you agree or disagree with the call, it's nice to at least hear them talking it out and their thought process. And it's, it's nice to – it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting to hear how that communication goes. I think in general – the more helmet communication, the more coach mics, the more player mics, the more cameras, the better. I thought the kickoff rule was excellent. And really, for the onside kick portion of it, they should do what the Pro Bowl did. Like, if I had for the NFL, the Pro Bowl should be the onside kick portion of it, which is fourth and 15 from your own 25. Otherwise, you do this kickoff now. The NFL is going to be nervous about it. What about squib kicks? And what about, you know, it takes away uh, certain elements of the game. But guess what? This is the direction we're going. It at least still allows for an opening kickoff. And there is the threat that the guy could break it. Now, I'm not convinced it's that much safer, Dave. I mean, you still have all these dudes taking a five-yard runny at each other and hitting each other. I mean... There's still a lot of helmet-to-helmet -helmet collisions. It's just not with the same force or same speed. I think having the getting rid of extra points and having another play, 
I think that's awesome. And that's one of my big things that when we talk with Ben that I'm going to bring up. I think the NFL should help prop up the XFL. I think the, the XFL is great for the NFL. Developing players, developing officials, being able to test out different things like the camera angles, the transparency, the rules. You know, I don't know what it needs to be sustainable, but the NFL should help the XFL get there because I think it's worth it to the NFL if the XFL can survive. Yeah, for the NFL to, to use this as an experimental league and to work together on trying things out would be a positive. Be also very surprising to see the NFL make such a move. We are going to discuss that with CBS Sports XFL reporter Ben Kerchival uh, after a quick break, and as well as uh, Pete Thamel's going to weigh in here on the state of college basketball. What do they need to do to fix their game? You talk about the XFL and NFL. Well, the college basketball scene in big trouble, in particular after some comments from Mike Krzyzewski. And what a game it was. North Carolina and Duke over the weekend, the best sports product of the weekend, without a doubt. And I will tell you why it's the best rivalry in all of sports. We'll also hand out the best comedy in home-and-home home history, we've got some uh, Best Picture-type nominees from the last several months here on Home & Home. All that after a quick break, Ross. But first, Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be. After unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company, then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What's the best rivalry in all of sports? It was on display over the weekend. It ain't even close to numbers to back up why Duke Carolina dominates all sports rivalries. Also, we'll talk to... Pete Thamel about what is ailing college basketball. Coach Krzyzewski called it sad. How can they fix it? Or is it just fine? It is an Oscars Monday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire Oscars. Late last night, it was a stunning win for Parasite the foreign language film, the first 
ever foreign language film to win Best Picture at the Oscars, the South Korean film, a dark comedy about an impoverished family who takes over the home of a more wealthy family in South Korea. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm just home in Connecticut. No one's in South Korea this morning. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. And stunningly, you watched the Oscars last night. I, I am absolutely floored by that. What got your attention? Why? And I would assume this is the first time you've ever watched the Oscars. Yeah, so I didn't watch much of it, but my wife is away on business for a couple nights. So last night, I'm with my daughters. I put them to bed, and then I get in my bed, and I'm looking at my phone or whatever, and everybody seems to be talking about the Oscars. And I literally think that my TV was already turned to ABC because of the XFL from like the day before or earlier in the day or something. So right. I don't know. I just started watching. I think the first thing I saw was like um, Steve Martin and Chris Rock came out and I saw Chris Rock um, in person at Princeton. It's actually funny. Have I told you the story before, Dave? I don't believe so. Proceed. All right, so Princeton has a lot of student-run businesses, including one is like a security agency, which is basically bouncers and stuff like that. So as a big kid, I worked security for a lot of the events, including like when uh, a musical act like Train or whoever would come, Chris Rock came to campus. So... I was like his backstage dude, like, you know, like making sure nobody got back there. Right. Uh, and he had a guy with him, whatever, but I'll never forget Chris Rock. So this is why I like him. And I watched him. It was sold out. Jim, Chris Rock walks out and he says, Dave, he says, Princeton, huh? Y'all some smart motherfuckers pulls out, pulls out, pulls out a huge wad of cash. And says, well, starts flipping through the cash. I got my GED. And I'm doing just <laughs> fine. You know what I mean? It was hilarious. Uh, and everybody loved it right away. Um, so I love that guy. He said so many funny things about, like, the ghetto grocery store versus the suburb grocery store. It was awesome. So I started watching last night. I watched him. I think I, I remember seeing Brad Pitt win the Best Supporting Actor. I remember uh, they did all the Frozen, um, Frozen 2 song uh, in, in all the different languages. I, I was entertained. Now, I wasn't entertained enough to, like, stay up past, like, 9.30 or 9 yeah. and keep watching because I don't watch any movies. So, you know what's not that entertaining? Watching an award show about movies you've never seen and have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Right. And I also say this, Dave, I want to know this. Your thoughts on Brad Pitt using that platform to talk about Trump's Senate impeachment. Do you applaud him for using his platform to make a point? Or do you say, dude, will you just shut up? Nobody cares what you think. Can you just not, like, can you not make this right. entertainment vehicle for me about politics? 
First off, I was stunned to hear Brad Pitt go political on the biggest stage uh, in television. I was stunned. So what Brad Pitt said upon winning Best Supporting Actor is his 45 seconds up here is longer than John Bolton got at the Senate impeachment trial. John Bolton, the national security advisor for President Trump, who was not allowed to testify and who could have confirmed and backed up all the allegations from Democrats, was not allowed to testify. And then he suggested that Quentin Tarantino, the uh, director, would do a film about it in which, quote, the adults would do the right thing at the end of the film. I applaud actors uh, for getting political because I think they do it at tremendous risk, at potential tremendous cost, because most of my social media followers tend to stray a bit conservative and they were furious they turned off the Oscars, at least they said they turned off the Oscars, and that was at the beginning of the show. So you potentially hurt your ratings and you potentially hurt your box office draw by isolating somewhere around 40% of this country. So either side of the aisle, I actually applaud actors for getting political, although I do understand the viewers saying, I just want to watch a television show with out hearing about politics. People watch this stuff as an escape from politics. Again, I think it's a tremendous risk of Brad Pitt to do it. And if I were an actor, would I? No, no, I don't want to isolate 40% of my audience or 50% in some cases. I want everyone to go watch my films. Did it bother you? Uh, I didn't really care for it. Um, similar to Kaepernick, I guess, I respect taking the risk that Brad Pitt took. I respect feeling so strongly about something that you are willing to alienate 40% of your audience. I, I have a lot of respect for that, but I, I don't really want to hear it. You know what I mean? Like from my perspective, it's like, Hey Brad, um, you know, you've been divorced twice. Um, I, I don't know. You're a good looking guy. Who's a pretty good actor. Why should I give two shits what you think? Now I'll say this, Dave, I don't really have a strong feeling on the Trump impeachment stuff, as you know. And my guess is that the people that agree with Brad Pitt think it's awesome that he said that. And the people that don't agree with Brad Pitt are so offended and hate that he said that. I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I guess I just, while I respect the guts it takes to use that platform in a manner in which a large percentage of people aren't going to care for it, I also, from my perspective, don't give a shit what he has to say about it. So I'd rather he didn't say it. I understand that. I, I get it. And uh, one of the millennials here, Jake, says, look at the risk that Daryl Morey took and the outcry in China worldwide over his NBA comments and how, um, you know, China's cracking down on human rights. So, look, it is a tremendous risk of an athlete, of an actor to dive into political waters. I don't mind it terribly. It was only about 10 seconds of his two to three minute speech. It certainly wasn't the focus. And watching um, some of the news programs this morning, ABC didn't even mention 
the political comment that Brad Pitt made, which I thought was interesting. ABC, which broadcast the Oscars, did not mention Brad Pitt's political reference. So best picture was Parasite, the foreign language film, best ever. Look, I'm going to just be frank here. Here are the other nominees. 1917 looks terrific. Ford versus Ferrari. Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Irishman, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story. Did you see any of those? Did you see any film that was nominated for any Oscar? I did not. No, I, I, I cannot tell you the last time I watched a movie in the theater. I do think perhaps once over the last 18 months, my wife and I took our daughters to see something in the theater, some kid's movie, I don't know. I don't really watch movies at home either. So um, I will say this, there's enough buzz about Parasite or some of these movies that when they are available on demand or whatever, on cable or Netflix or Amazon or whatever, I might check them out, but also by then, Dave, I probably will have just forgotten about this and moved on to something else. Like, yeah. I need, you know what I need? I need friends and family to be like, dude, you gotta watch this movie. It's that good. And for none of these movies has that happened. And I think it's because most of my friends have young children like me and I haven't seen them either. Because it's hard to go see movies like this when you're this age. So there's nothing really that compels me to then watch it. You know what else I do like, though? I also think it's funny on Oscars night on social media, all these people that all of a sudden are like film experts. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I liked the film, but I thought the film was slow at a few times. First of all, I never fucking called a movie a film in my life, okay? A film. Who? A film. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, please don't call movies films, all right? Unless you're, like, in the industry. Oh, the film. No, it's a movie, okay? It's a freaking movie. Secondly, it cracks me up, all these people on social media, that all of a sudden think that they are film experts. Dude, you're just a moron like me that doesn't know anything about movies and just watches them and either you like them or you don't. I liked it. It was entertaining. It wasn't. But don't act like you're like some film critic and now all of a sudden you have cachet. And I really, I really thought... When when the, the one scene, shut up, dude. Okay, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I think what we need is a split screen, Ross Tucker, like kind of doing your own Oscar show as it's going on. So maybe like an online show that you do where you and I get to comment and offer raw, honest commentary about what's going on might be better than the actual show where we could rip to shreds Joaquin Phoenix bullshit, garbage, meandering speech about animal rights and racism. And that guy, I got no time for that guy. No thanks. I did not see Joker, but I'm going to be frank here. Of the nine Best Picture nominees, I too saw zero. So what, what Ross was Tucker his, and Dave Briggs saw zero. About, Dave? What was his speech about? It was just 
Well, it was a meandering long speech in part about racism and part about animal rights. And the only part that I could say was redeeming is him saying what a pain in the ass he had been in his career and that a lot of people in here didn't give up on him, didn't lose faith in him and are willing to forgive him because he's been a bad dude over the course of his career. But the, the entire speech for me was just hard pass. And he got best actor. He got it, yeah. So the other big awards, we should, uh, Laura Dern, Renee, Renee Zellweger won Best Actress. We mentioned Brad Pitt, uh, Best Supporting. So Parasite, when you hear Parasite, now that's the South Korean foreign language film that won Best Picture. When you hear Parasite, you think it's about what? Um, Like the coronavirus, Something like that, like some type of virus that like got into people's brains or blood flow circulation and you we don't want you to have any chance you come over to the United States and give us the parasite. Like it. And if it were a sports movie, who would it be about? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Um... That is a really good one. Um, Kevin Durant. Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant going Ooh, going was... to going to Golden State, and like you know, it, it's like this big. The big animal is Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant comes over and he attaches himself to a bigger more dominant animal and just sucks their blood or whatever out as they win a championship. That's pretty damn good. Uh, Jordan Cohen has to say it's about OBJ in the locker room or maybe even better. I think this one's better. Alshon Jeffrey um, being a parasite with the Eagles chemistry, sucking the life out of it. First name that came to mind to me was James Dolan, Nick's owner who has just sucked the living life out of the joy of the Knicks, out of the organization, out of the experience of being a fan of the Knicks. He has been a parasitic owner for the New York Knicks organization. All right, 19 No, you're wrong. You're wrong, Dave. You're wrong. How's that? Dolan, Dolan is the Joker. Dolan's the ah. Joker. If we're, going, if we're going just based on the name of the movie... Without knowing what, the, like, I know what the Joker's about, but like, if you're going just by the name of the movie, Dolan is the Joker because, unfortunately, for Knicks fans, he is a joke. Let me ask you this, though. Watching, like, the previews for the Joker and hearing about Joaquin Phoenix, it doesn't really seem like it's that much about the guy from Batman. So this might be me just like spewing my ignorance. Is it about Batman? Like, is it about the guy from the Batman movies? Like, I, I'm I'm totally confused what the relationship is between Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, and the Batman movies or Batman. Well, yes, it is the exact character and the exact reason I had no... Look, I'm scared to death of clowns. The fact that clowns were on stage last night to start the Oscars dancing around freaked me out, and they crept into my nightmares last night. I don't see films about clowns, period. I will never pay to see a movie about clowns as it is the exact character 
from the Batman. It's just a lot darker look, a much darker, right, like, more grim. About, like, but what, but what, like, was Batman in it, or is it just like, no, I, I, right? It just sounds like it's just about like Joaquin Phoenix laughing and acting weird. You know, that's one of my issues, Dave, with the Oscars. I don't really pay attention, but it seems like. The Oscar winner for best actor or actress almost always goes to whoever acts like the weirdest person in a movie that year. You know what I mean? Like whoever has some type of disease or learning disability or, you know, what whatever it is, right? Like, and this time it was the Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, and I guess... Um, there is some type of, is it called a syndrome or a mental health issue that the Joker has? And so Joaquin Phoenix did a good job. Like, I guess my question is, is that person really the best actor? Or did they get cast in the weirdest, most unique role that year? And whoever ended up getting that role is going to win because you're acting like a person with a mental illness. And oh my gosh. What an unbelievable job doing. And I'm not, this is not mocking mental health at all. I'm just saying from an actor standpoint, like I can just picture the guys, like let's say you wanted to get an Oscar, right? I would just sit there and go through the scripts I get sent by the producers. All right, how messed up is this dude? Nope, not messed up enough. Uh, let me see. Ooh, this guy's got a couple mental health issues. All right, I might be able to win the Oscar for this one. Like, don't you feel like that's what it's about, Dave? That's what the Academy has has become. And, and a lot of the criticism coming into the show was about, again, how white the Oscars are, one minority nominee, and there wasn't enough women nominated for most people. So that was all the buzz going in. And then going out, yes, typically year in and year out, the Academy is not very relatable to most of us Americans. And that's why, in general, this show, the, the Oscars, is not so likable, not so watchable. One, you have no host. I think Chris Rock and Steve Martin started the show well, but should have been the host throughout the program. That was a really interesting balance. I enjoyed those two more than I enjoyed anything on the night other than Eminem, Lose Yourself, Surprise, uh, performance last night. That was the best part of the night because that Eminem is the greatest rapper of all time, bar none, and he crushed it. He brought down the house. So that was the best part of the night for me. The Academy is unrelatable, unwatchable. We just can't really understand what they see in films. And how many people are likely to go see Parasite right now? None. None of us are going to go see Parasite. How about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? What is that about to you on the surface? And if it were a sports movie, what would it be? Ooh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a story about a guy from the Midwest, a farmer from the Midwest who drives out to Hollywood and uh, struggles waiting tables and, I don't know, maybe even doing uh, being a male gigolo and waiting tables before he finally gets his big break in Thelma and Louise and goes on to become a, a very well-known Hollywood actor. You may have a future in fi films, 
films. You may have a future in films being able to describe that synopsis of Once Upon films. a Time in Hollywood. I you love, are a I film. Love going to the, I love going to the theater and taking in a film. <laughs> All right. A couple of couple of trivia questions for you on the night. Um, the end memoriam, in memoriam segment always is um, one of the best moments of the night and obviously honored Kobe Bryant. Who was the actor that was left out of in memoriam that has blown up social media since last night into this morning? An actor we lost this year that was not mentioned. Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Okay, he Somehow, passed away. Dude, I, I, I really am, Dave. I am like the standard for whether or not news or stuff like this goes mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, I am the state, like, because if it, it somehow when I opened a web browser or I was scrolling through Twitter, that popped up somewhere. Like, yeah. I, I, I am like, people should come to me as to whether or not something really went viral or really like, because, because I don't pay attention to anything. But that crossed my spectrum somehow. And and what's interesting about it is he was had a part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So um, one quick question off of that. Your favorite 90210 character. I'll give you a minute while I tell you my favorite 90210 character. Steve Sanders, played by Ian Ziering, easily my favorite 90210 character. I never missed an episode of that show. We used to have Beverly Hills and Beam as a fraternity sorority party in college. Loved 90210. I'm a Steve Sanders guy. Just a goofball driving around his Corvette. Kind of a moron, kind of a jock. Absolutely best 90210 character. Who is your favorite? Yeah, I think I liked him the most too. I kind of liked, uh, I like Dylan a little bit. I like Luke Perry a little bit, but I think I like Sanders the most. You know, I'm the wrong person to ask Dave because I judge actors in their role based on how much of a meathead they are and how much it looks to me like they lifted weights. Like that's the, those are my <laughs> major characteristics for whether or not I like you as not. And Sanders looked like he was pretty meaty, might have played high school football. They just didn't show that elements of it. Definitely lifted a weight or two in his life. So I like that guy. All right, one last trivia question before we sneak in a break here, and it's this. Toy Story 4 won for best uh, animated film. How old are Woody and Buzz, the beloved characters from Toy Story? Which, which the question is, what year was Toy Story 1? How old are Woody and Buzz? I'm going to say Toy Story 1 was 1990, and they're 30 years old. Pretty close, pretty damn close. 25 years old, and they haven't aged a day. When you look at Woody and, Woody and Buzz, they look exactly like they did on day win, uh, one. Kind of like the Simpsons characters, aging well. Yes, Toy Story, 25 years old. All right, um, I've got one more trivia question later on in the program about the Oscars and the 
pre-show on the red carpet and something that speaks to Ross Tucker's stomach later in the program. But next, we're going to take a break, dive back into the XFL with CBS Sports XFL reporter Ben Kirchival. What did he like? He was at a game in Dallas. How does the at-game experience differ from what we saw at home on our couch after a quick break, as well as Pete Thamel with some breaking college football news. He'll also talk Duke Carolina and what's ailing college basketball after a break. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember... You can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.